Well, hello again, everyone, and wow, what a week again it has been in Melbourne on an and another beautiful day. Aren't we lucky to live here? It's time for Lift After Breakfast. Susanna here with you, first off, and the usual team, the usual suspects, will be along a little later, so stay tuned. But while they're warming their voices up, I'd like to warm my ears up with Bella Ciao, one of the versions that I've got at home. Bella Ciao, ma nella, nella versione nella versione originale cioè la canzone la canzone nata come canto delle mondine è una canzone di tutte le mondine alla mattina appena alzata Bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao alla mattina, appena alzata, irisaia mi tocca andare, e fra gli insetti e le zanzare, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 e fra gli insetti e le zanzare, duro lavoro mi tocca il capo in piedi. Suo bastone, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 il capo in piedi col suo bastone, e noi curve la buona, e noi curve la buona, il capo in piedi col suo bastone, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 il capo in piedi col suo bastone. Good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. I see that the Nationals are calling the shots on climate. Who are these people anyway? In the 2019 election, the Nationals received 642,233 votes. Look, I'll say that again. They received 
642,233 votes. And that gives them 10 seats in the House of Representatives. On the other hand, in that same election of 2019, the Greens received 1,482,923 votes. And that gives them one seat in the House of Representatives. I'm not sure how that gets worked out here, listener. Because the Liberals depend on those 10 National Party seats for their survival, the Nationals wield a power that's even more disproportionate to their voting supporter base. This allows some of the most ignorant and self-important pricks to be making grave decisions which affect each and every one of us. And we'll cross over and speak with the resident historian. Last week, Glenn was talking about the New Guard, the fascists in Australia in the 1930s. Well, good day again, Glenn. Hello, my dear. How are you? I'm good. Last time I saw you, you were talking about the New Guard in Australia. I was indeed. Now, I want to show you a picture. I'm not sure if the listeners can see it, but can you see the picture, Susan? I'll just hold it up to the microphone and see if I can see it. Oh, it's a flag, a picture of a flag. Oh, it's actually um, a photocopy of a picture of a flag. That's right. And what can you see in the picture of the flag? What's, what imagery is present? Well, the flag is a Union Jack. It's not in colour, of course, because... The photocopy is in, you know, black and white and 50 shades of grey. Sorry. But it's the Union Jack and there's a bulldog. Isn't that the British bulldog? That's correct. And can you see other images in there? I can. I can see written across the top in the name of decency. Correct. Poor old decency. And there's... Other words you might see? Don't touch. That's right. And what's that written on the side? My eyes can't see it properly. It says, God who made thee mighty, make thee mightier yet. Oh, God, charming. And his images of a couple of men. There are men? men. Well, that looks like Hitler up on the right, is it, with doing his salute? Oh, it's an Antipodean version of Hitler. Antipodean version of Hitler. And who's, that, who's in the bottom? What's in the bottom can you see? I can see another man on horseback doing the same. No, he's holding up his arm. It's not like a salute. His elbow's bent. What's he doing? It's like a sword, would you say? Oh, yes, of course. Holding a big sabre, a big army sabre in his hand on a big bay horse. Well, this is a flag which has been donated to the Sydney Museum. And the images of men, the man giving an artist salute is Eric Campbell. Eric the Campbell. The leader of a new guard in Sydney in the 1930s. One of Australia's best-known fascists. And the man mounted on horseback waving a sword was Captain Frank de Groot, Francis de Groot. Francis de Groot. Now, I've mentioned him before, and I'll Big talk Frankie. to you about him again. He was in the New Guard in the early 1930s, and he um, he played a key role in New Guard, organising um, violent action against Labour Party members and Communist Party members, and anybody who wasn't a fascist. Anybody who wasn't a fascist, my God. Now, one of the main things the New Guard wanted to do was the opening of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, on March 19, 1932, Sydney Harbour Bridge had taken a decade to build. 15 lives have been lost. It was being opened on March 19, 1932. And it was being opened by Premier Jack Lang. And he was the Premier of a day. He'd been voted by the people of New South Wales. But New Guard didn't like that. They said, no, no, no. It must be the King 
or the king's representative in Australia. What the king should have come out to open Sydney Harbour Bridge. At the very least, the king's representative in Sydney or in Australia. The six months' voyage to Australia. Are we going to wait that long to open the bridge, are we? They felt if it was open by Langer, would lose honour. Had to be with a royal family or by a royal family representative. Lose honour by being opened by a Premier. Oh, sorry, a Labour Premier. That's right. Anyway, on the March 9, 1932, Jack Lang went to the bridge with thousands of others to watch him cut the ribbon. And as he was about to cut the ribbon, Captain Francis de Groot, a senior New Guard member, charged across, waving his sword. He shouted, in the name of the decent law citizens of New South Wales, I declare the bridge open and try to cut the sword, try to sword to cut the ribbon. Well... Police arrested him. He was charged with offences. And he was charged with three offences. He was charged with damaging the ribbon, behaving offensively, and threatening police. He, he didn't get the normal stuff that we get, like abusive language, offensive behaviour, and re- resisting arrest. Well, offensive behaviour, uh, threatening police. Now, again, the ribbon was broken. But it was his, his horse broke the ribbon, not the sword. The ribbon was broken, and he was found nine pounds which is equivalent to about $800 in modern money. Not much. Well, there's a series of... Before the trial, they were examined by him. Was he insane? Psychiatrists checked him. Are you insane? What are you doing? Are you mad? They said, no, no. I'm a law servant of the king in the empire. I'll not have this man open the bridge on behalf of decent New South Wales people. So he got up in court and said that. So it, though his lawyer or someone, they assumed he must have been insane. Well, I would have assumed he was pretty fruit loopy. I'd say he was pretty out there. Um, he was fined nine pounds in the end, but he wasn't just fined nine pounds. He decided to take legal action against the police for arresting him. How dare the police arrest a member of the King's Army? But he wasn't a member of the King's Army. But he had been. He was in uniform. He had been. He was in the Hussars in France in World War One. He wore his English uniform. And he took legal action against New South Wales police, which was finally settled out of court. But um, he settled had, out of court. That's right. Oh, I don't like that. No, Glenn. I, I was all hushed up. I don't know what happened, but a flag was given to his family representing his role and trying to cut the bridge. And Campbell given the fascist salute. But as I've said, the last few shows, you've got fascists Melbourne again. We've seen them in Melbourne the last few weeks. They, they don't believe in science. They don't believe in democracy. They don't believe in anything apart from being naked power on the streets. So let's, let's be careful. Let's not bless the history. That's what I'm saying on this week's. This week's left after breakfast, my dear. Well, I say the ones that thugs are violent and vicious thugs that we have seen on the streets of Melbourne are brown shirts. They are the Australia or Antipodean, as you like to call it, which is a nice word which confuses people from in- international regions. And it's the Antipodean version of Hitler's brown shirts, Sturm Abteilung, who helped assist Hitler come into power. The Groot Campbell of the same in the early 1930s. And Campbell left Australia in the early 30s. He visited Oswald Mosley, the British fascist. He met von Ribbentrop, the German foreign minister. Oh. He tried to meet Hitler and Mussolini. He didn't meet those ones. But Eric Campbell was a, a very nasty person. And don't tell me these modern ones aren't as nasty as him. They mightn't have the links he had with the New South Wales. And the new guard wasn't just ex-soldiers. Um, our Smithy, Kingswood Smith. Kingswood Smith? Charles Ulm. No, they no. Were both, they were both in Newgate. Oh, no. The two aviators, Charles Kingswood Smith and Charles Ulm, who were our Smithy and his friend, were both Newgate members. Aren't they on our banknotes? They are. They were both fascists. I didn't realise they had fascists on my banknotes. I mind you, Glenn, it's been a while since I've seen a banknote. 
All I'm saying is the fastest have had a history in Australia, and they were stopped before. They were stopped in the 30s. Let's stop them again. Anyway. We will have to stop them again. It is really important. It, I mean, it's more important than anything so far that we've done in the last 30 to 40 years. We have to stop this. It was, to me, I see it as just as important as our opposition to the war, the American war in Vietnam. Again, it's, it's a struggle we have to win. And as you know, dare to struggle, dare to win. And we can do it in 3CR plays a role. Because only on 3CR you'll hear this information. You'll have this knowledge imparted. So listeners, you're listening right now to Senator Duffy's Left After Breakfast on Radio 3CR. My name's Glenn, and until I turn on Susanna's show very soon, in the words of my forebears, I will say, Chocula. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. 3CR. Thanks, Glenn. And we'll be hearing from Bucko soon. But before I do, I have a request from a listener. A listener in Castlemaine. Gosh, I'm glad you could pick us up, up in Castlemaine. That's a pretty flat area there. Can't pick up much at all. A terrific version of Plastic Jesus. Don't 
and we'll have to hear from Woody Guthrie on the subject of fascists. Put it there, boy, we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. You may be surprised People in this world are getting organized You're bound to lose You fascists bound to lose All you fascists bound to lose I said All you fascists bound to lose Yes All you fascists bound to lose You're bound to lose You fascists bound to lose An oldie, but a goodie. Sometimes I don't think you can beat Woody Guthrie. Now it's time for some more commentary on Australia's state of play from Bucko. Ask Bucko, he'll tell you. Scott Morrison has had a tough few years. First there was the great bushfire debacle. He went on holiday in Hawaii. Nothing wrong with that, you might say, except that he tried to hide the fact that he was away. When he was sprung, he made all sorts of excuses, but in his own special way, he made a statement that we will always remember. Mate, I don't hold a hose. That was exceptional in many ways. It showed his narrow, superficial mind with all its smugness and complete lack of self-awareness. During a catastrophic bushfire season, everybody holds a hose. The country then discovered that just before the election and possibly even after the election was called, he had been using our money to try and buy coalition seats and also lots of marginal seats they wanted to win. Scott Morrison was caught in the headlights of the sports rorts affair and in an act of uh, utterly callous self-preservation, he threw his sports minister under the proverbial bus. Considering his narrow win in the 2018 election, how many seats were retained because of the calculated misuse of taxpayer funds. The global pandemic struck next. He talked a lot about following the scientific advice, but his resistance to lockdowns and his reluctance to provide financial support proved very unpopular. He read the public mood correctly for a change, and then he pinched Boris Johnson's JobKeeper idea at Labor's suggestion. None of us then knew that the treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, would do such a lousy job on the program's design. Ripped off by thousands of companies, many of which paid bonuses to their already overpaid executives, and some even paid dividends to shareholders. Frydenberg now says it would be unfair to ask for the money back. 
And there's only one word necessary to explain this government's moral bankruptcy. That would be robo-debt. Robo-debt, where the might of the government was turned against often helpless, certainly powerless, welfare recipients. Ten-year-old debts, calculated using a dodgy averaging algorithm and subsequently found to have been unlawful. The government denied wrongdoing, as evangelical right governments always do. In June 2021, Justice Bernard Murphy approved a settlement worth at least $1.8 billion Australian dollars, calling it a shameful chapter and massive failure in public administration of Australia's social security scheme. That's a quote uh, directly lifted from Wikipedia. The ministers who have had their hands on the program include Christian Porter, Scott Morrison, Alan Tudge, Stuart Robert, Maurice Payne. There are very few geniuses in that little group. Of course, after the horrors of the pandemic, there was great optimism about the arrival of the vaccines. They were produced in record time, but yet, yet they did not appear in Australia for months. Outbreaks in Sydney and then Melbourne took hold. Hundreds of deaths occurred and Scott Morrison then made another of his astounding pronouncements. It is not a race. He repeated it many times over in many different places. But it was a race and Morrison and his hapless health minister Greg Hunt tried hard to cover up their sheer incompetence. But even blind Freddie knows you don't just buy one vaccine when there's a worldwide shortage. And you don't announce at a late-night press conference that your only vaccine on hand is suspect. Morrison actually blew the AstraZeneca vaccine's credibility out of the water because he panicked. Scott Morrison is about to attend the Glasgow Climate Summit on our behalf, representing us on a world stage. He will smugly claim that he has an agreement in his back pocket of net zero by 2050. The only problem is that up to a quarter of the Nationals do not agree and he cannot legislate the reduction because he will lose the vote in Parliament. So he's going with nothing in his pocket except an unenforceable promise, redeemable in 29 years, by which time the whole Parliament will probably be retired or dead. He has taken a full three years to get his junior coalition partners, the National Party, to not agree to net zero emissions by 2050. He did not lead anyone anywhere. He was dictated to by the likes of Barnaby Joyce, Matt Canavan, the former sports minister Bridget McKenzie, that would be the woman who went under the bus, and George Christensen. We must also remember the sterling efforts of the Minister for Meaningless Climate Statements, Angus Taylor. Angus delivered his sales pitch with passionate fervour, but as we all know, carbon capture and storage does not work, and most of us think that bribing the nationals is actually worse than a carbon tax, because it is using our tax money to support the coal and gas industries. We want to reduce our emissions, not increase them, Angus. So that the sum total of the government's achievements on climate change was essentially in the eye of the Prime Minister. Government by press announcements, which are believed by no one. You have to admire Morrison's sublime disconnect from reality. Welcome back, Scotty from Marketing, and you, Angus. Top job on all your efforts. Thanks for listening.
And don't forget, you can catch Bucko at markbuckleymedium.com. Shirts in with dogs and mace I'll hold the line, won't step away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong We belong to the union Don't count me out when I'm on the floor We'll win again, we've won before The streets will ring with a mighty roar Cause you can't break me Stocks rise up on workers' backs Profits soar while you hand out the sack Boardroom bullies, bloated and fat But you can't break me Australia's sold to mates offshore Backroom deals and shonky law This day has come, we say no more You can't break me I belong, you belong We belong to the union I belong, you belong We belong to the union I swear I'll never lay down and die I'm in the union, mate, got a right to belong We'll be back, millions strong Women and men united as one Cause you can't break me There's a warning here to the men in grey The pipers come, it's time to pay We're taking back what you stole away Cause you can't break me Well, Bagman, hello again. Yes, good morning, Susan. It's great to be on the air with you uh, on Friday morning, which we've done for the last 34 years. I'm starting to get old uh, and my bones are creaking, but we keep fronting up every week. Yeah, it's amazing, that. Yeah, I've actually reached the wonder years, Susan. Um, I w- yeah, the wonder years. I wonder where I parked my car. I wonder where I left my phone. And I wonder where my glasses are. And to top it off, I wonder what day it is. 
And just to put a disclaimer on this program, Susan, we have to, because of COVID, uh, record a couple of days early so before we go to air on Friday morning. So the information we give may not be the latest up to date, but we try. Hey, have you heard of the perfect crime? The perfect crime? There's no such thing, Bagman. Well, you can argue that. I'm going to argue something differently now. I know there's no such thing, or there's not supposed to be such thing, as the perfect murder. But let me give you the perfect crime. And the best way to describe that perfect crime is to use the words disgraceful, unethical, illegal, unfit. And we're talking about the Crown Casino who shares uh, rose um, uh, during the week because of the allegations that have been made about uh, Crown Casino. But those words, disgraceful, unethical, illegal, unfit, that Crown Casino has been allowed to keep its licence. Now, we know that the board directors, the executive of Crown Casino have been in charge while we have had allegations of child trafficking, sex trafficking, money laundering, all taking place within Crown Casino. You can just imagine me as as an old builder's labourer. We can't even fly a flag on a building site without being fined $50. Thousand dollars. Yes, here we go. Disgraceful, unethical, illegal, and unfit. The words that have been described about Crown Casino. That can't be the first time, Bagman. The first time for what, Susan? The first time for breaking the law? Yes. Oh, no. Of course it's not. You know, we all know that the Crown Casino is frequented by uh, drug barons, ne'er-do-wells, criminals, and we now find out that the money that's been laundered through Crown Casino has been used for child sex trafficking and sex trafficking otherwise. They've been breaking the law ever since the Crown Casino was instituted. Isn't that James Packer? Yeah, James Packer. Well, you know, look at it this way, Susan. Those words that were used by the commission into uh, Crown Casino, his shares skyrocketed this week um, on the allegations that they were allowed to keep their casino licence. And the shares went up. (laughs) Well, Well, that's the nature of capital, uh, capitalism, Susan. And I'm not going to get into an argument about capitalism and feudalism and whatever, uh, but his shares skyrocketed. How strange capitalism <laughs> is. Uh, it makes you wonder. It makes you... You'd say, oh, look, 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 Crown Casino is unfit to have a licence. Quickly, yep. quickly, go and buy some shares in it. Bye, bye. <laughs> Uh, well, it just means that criminal action uh, with this government, and not only this government, but previous governments in Victoria, 
criminal action really means nothing because Crown Casino was too big to fail. Um, I remember John Kane some years back, oh, a number of years back now, saying, no, we don't want the casino in Victoria. Everyone knows they're a hotbed of crime and they're just a money laundering operation. And people laughed at him. Well, he must have been some sort of fortune teller because his words have been proven to be prophetic. (sighs) He was called a wowser, remember? Ah, that's right. Yeah, he was. Uh, But there are other things going on, Susan, and... You know, 2050 for the reducing our carbon footprint. The Prime Minister has got agreement from his government. That oh, he, he hasn't. Well, I read in the newspaper he had. Um, he's got permission from his government. They're 100% behind him. Rolled gold uh, guarantee that they will go to Scotland fairly soon and make a commitment to 2050. But look, Susan, let's be, let's be honest about this. Could you trust, could you trust uh, Matt Canavan, Bridget McKenzie and Barnaby Joyce to tell the truth and to stick by any promises that they've made? Look, I could kick my grandmother further then they could uh, they could tell the truth, and I don't mean I don't mean to kick my grandmother. That's just a saying, Susan. Yeah, you, know, you got to remember back to Barney Joyce a couple of years ago after he'd been doing the dancing with uh, the, one of his staff, uh, and she got pregnant, and there was all sorts of allegations about Barney that. Did he get, put the bun in the oven? And he actually came out on national television and said, look, there's a chance I'm not the father. I've been overseas. Now, can you believe that that came from the uh, Deputy Prime Minister of this country? Because you don't, it doesn't matter if you dip the wick before you travel overseas, it doesn't stop you staff who should be protected from you um, getting pregnant. Well, <laughs> I really don't believe anything he says. Well, he's always pissed, isn't he? I heard, oh, we've got to be careful what we say, but I do. Oh, I'm it. sorry. Sorry. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he has been known to have a, a glass or two. <laughs> well, I heard in my radio national world, it was the ABC or something, last week, and if he wasn't um, uh, under the weather, um, I will never, uh, alcohol will never touch my lips again. Bit Franz list, was it? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you can't say that on, uh, on radio, but, yeah, I have my suspicions, Susan. <laughs> you mean, <laughs> Because he couldn't speak, he kept mumbling and blurting and burping and repeating himself. Was that when he was that when he was talking about the iron roofs? Yes, and hey, don't forget that thing about uh, he said about five years ago that if we reduced our carbon uh, footprint, um, a, a leg of lamb would cost a hundred dollars. 
Oh, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> My God. And he is the person in charge of this country when Scott Morrison travels over to Scotland. Um, we really... I think it should keep him away from the Terps anyway. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, see tell me, but yeah, tell me, yeah. is... Um, is Smirko taking his pet rock with him? Oh, his piece of coal? Mm. I, I don't think he'll be game enough to take a piece of coal uh, to Scotland. Um, and I would bet, as I said last week, London to a brick. He won't be doing that. Well, if he's going to take a so-called agreement from the government with him, well, that's a, that's a lie. He doesn't have yeah. agreement. He's got that cast iron rolled gold agreement from the National Party, from Nat, Matt Canavan, Bridget and, uh, and Barney, that they will follow the rules and they will agree with the commitment to reduce our carbon uh, footprint by 2050. But they're the only nationals who say that. The rest of them say, no, we're not. <laughs> well, well. Maybe. There were seven more of them, yeah, and they're well, saying no, we're not. Someone must be. Someone must have the photograph. That's all I can say, Susan. It's just a bit of paper that's worthless. Well, the simple fact is, the agreement will be broken within the year or within the years uh, coming, and, and nationals cannot be trusted. It's twenty-nine I mean, years away. It is a long time. I don't think you or me will be around uh, to see the season. And neither will Barnaby Joyce, I tell you now. No, he won't be. Uh, hey, I'll tell you what, the, the big debate at the moment is should we let uh, international tennis players come into Australia and come into Victoria to play in the Australian Open without being vaccinated? I wouldn't be surprised if the if the federal government gave in. The Labor government here in Victoria said there were no exemptions for anyone. If you're not vaccinated, you ain't coming in. But I would be uh, be very careful about uh, what um, the uh, federal government would do um, and might overturn that. But anyway, if they did let unvaccinated tennis players and they're the cream of the crop. They they earn millions and millions of dollars and they're talking about of course Novak Djokovic coming into Australia. It would be a real, real kick in the guts for Victorians who have died. Now I know you can't kick dead people in the guts, but you can kick their relatives in the guts. And you can kick people who have done the right thing over the last two years, the nurses, the doctors, the frontline troops that have kept this state going if they were allowed to let unvaccinated tennis players, the privileged, the cream of the crop in, into, uh, into Australia and even Victoria. No, don't let him in. Oh, absolutely not. 
if they did let him in, I think I might go and have a... It wouldn't be a one-man protest. It might be a, a, a lot of people protesting at the Australian Open. You could do it if you kept social distance and wore a mask and checked in. Well, they'd be like many, or not many, we get carried away when we talk about, and I don't, it's not a subject I like talking about any anti-vaxxers, but, you know, I've, I'll be down, going down the, the Murray River on a steam, uh, a steamboat uh, in the next couple of weeks, and I've booked a trip down the Nile, which I'll do next year, because I'm doubly vaccinated because I will have those freedoms, because I've done the right thing by fellow Victorians who have also done the, the, the right thing. And Dan Andrews and his team have kept us safe, but people are still dying, of course. That, that's the cry freedom. Open up the shops, but let people die. That's federal government and the... Uh, Berejiklian government has sold out the Victorian government. But it's good to have the freedom. God almighty. I'd rather be alive. <laughs> uh, what what the federal government, and, and this will affect both you and me, Susan, is the Labor Party is uh, at least putting up a fight about the cashless credit card. Now, they've got a motion in Parliament, and I hope it gets up because pensioners will be given a cashless card to spend their pension. So you won't be able to spend it on frivolous things. You won't be able to go and have a beer at the pub. Uh, you won't be able to go and have a flutter on the horses. You will have most of that money quarantined uh, only for the, the basics of life. Not that, not that it's easy to survive on the pension at the moment, but uh, at least the Labor government is going to do, do something because Morrison's cashless debit card will take dignity away from pensioners. Now, let's hope that the Labor Party will move to stop it. Well, let's hope that buddy pensioners and everyone else moves to stop it. Vote the sitting people in federal government out. They've got the legislation ready to go. And when you say they can't shop with the, with the cashless welfare card, as it's called, cashless debit card, you can't have a flutter or, or have a beer. You also yeah. can't. You also can't shop at supermarkets to get food when the supermarket sells alcohol. Have you been to a supermarket of late that doesn't sell alcohol, Bagman? No, I haven't, but uh, I've seen people when I was in Darwin uh, recently trying to use uh, their cashless credit card in a uh, Woolworths, I think it's BWS or something like that, who have a liquor shop, and it was extremely difficult for them. Well, well you can't buy the liquor shop, but you can't buy in Woolworths anyway, because Not Woolworths... Because yeah. Woolworths has sell also sells alcohol, so you can't buy food at Woolworths with with your cashless debit card, because Woolworths sells alcohol. 
oh, well, that means you won't be able to have a go at the pokies either because Woolworths themselves own something like, I'm, I'm going to have a guess at this, at least at least 3,000 poker machines over Victoria. Yeah, well, of course you can't do that with your cashless debit card. You also can't shop at uh, food markets because they're not registered with the cashless debit card people. Oh, well, it's an it's a interesting time. Let's hope that the Labor Party can join with the Greens and the Independents to finally put the nail into the coffin of this uh, cashless credit card. And let's hope that the people of Australia vote out this loathsome, loathsome government. Well, I did uh, I did make an Australianist prediction, Susan, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, unfortunately, people are like sheep. Uh, people haven't really woken up to the snake oil salesman. Is it snake oil? Yes, yep. snake oil. Snake oil salesman uh, that's got Morrison is, and they're buying his bullshit. Um, and... It's going to be a tight election, and the only way, I reckon, Susan, that the Labor Party is liable to win the next election is if they have a woman as the leader. Oh, well, we'll see. But I worry sometimes so many people in Australia, the ones who will be thrown onto this cashless debit card, it's something like the chickens voting for Colonel Sanders. <laughs> That's where I made it, put it, yes. Yeah, but, but they don't realise the ramifications, Susan. They think, oh, yeah, that's something in the future. But when it comes, and it will hit them so hard, and I think there'll be a, an enormous backlash against this government by every pensioner in Australia. Well, if it's another three years of the government being in, pensioners on cashless debit card could quite easily be dead by then. Is it's that just, right? It's just dreadful. Oh, golly. Uh, well, you know, um, that's the reward for working all your life, paying your taxes, being a good citizen and working hard, raising a family, uh, and as I said, paying taxes all that time so that you get a, a miserly pension. That's the reward that these people uh, want to inflict upon you. Yes, they are bastards. Yes, to put it mildly, Susan, bastards, I would be, if I wasn't on radio, uh, I would use a few more harsh words than that. But anyway... I'll update my nostril anus prediction coming up to the next federal election. Yes. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I'm as happy as a pig in shit, Susan. This lockdown, by its ease now, it will be over next Friday so I can travel wherever I want you can do whatever you want. And I've just got a, a T-shirt made up and I put it on Facebook for you to see. And it says, if you're not vaccinated, please F off. 
I did see that bag, man. <laughs> and obviously no one did any uh, proofreading of the content of that message. Well, Susan, I left school in Form 1. I was brought up in Broadie because uh, oh, I'm the boy from Broadmeadows, the real boy, boy from Broadmeadows. The original, and, the only one, the boy from Broadie. That's you. Uh, look, the other bike, he claims to be the boy from Broadie. Actually, lives in Glen Royal, <laughs> brought up in Glen Royal. Not even Jakarta or uh, Broadie, but I, I was... Yeah, I was brought up in the Paris end of uh, Broadmeadows in a place called Coolaroo. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, well, everybody knows Coolaroo. Because uh, that's where um, the boy from Broadie comes from. That's right, that's right. Now, you're going to have to tell me, Susan, because I can't see the Coburg clock. Well, I'm looking at the Collingwood Town Hall clock at this very moment, Batman. And what do you say about the time you see on the Collingwood clock? Hang on, I've just got a peering a bit here. There's a bit of a helicopter got in my way. Oh, no, it's just a fly. Hang on. Oh, my word. Looks like it's that time again, Bagman. Oh, all right. Okay, Susan, well, why don't we go out in the same old way? Oh, why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's voice of dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. 3CR. Well, thanks for coming along. Thanks for the ride. And I'll leave you with that song I played last week from Roy Bailey about refugees. The food is all gone And the schools are all damaged Houses and hospitals flattened to dust They're making their way to a distant border To pay out their savings to find a new life Masalam, my friend Masalam, dear neighbour I wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach a new country All they will call you will be refugee Their fathers, they worked so hard all their years It took all the money they made in their life Sons and daughters went down to the water Left in a boat that sank and they died Masalam, my friend, Masalam, dear neighbour We wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach your new country All they will call you 
will be refugee Now all are illegal And all are not wanted The camps are all full So they have to move on Many hard roads to a distant country They're treated like outlaws Like criminals, refugees They'll die in the hills And they'll die in the deserts They'll die in the valleys They'll die on the plains They'll die on the barbed wire They'll die under lorries Both sides of the seas They'll die just the same Masalam, my friend Masalam, dear neighbour We wish you much strength As you head out to sea You won't have a name When you reach a new country And all they will call you Will be refugees Their small boat sank It was so overloaded Far out at sea With no saviour in sight Where were the life belts? Where was the rescue? The radio said They were just refugees Masalam, my friends Masalam, dear neighbour I wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach a new country All they will call you will be refugee This the best way we can help those in trouble. Is this the best way we can give them a hand? They drown in the seas, they die in the bombings, and all they will call them will be refugee. Masalam, my friend, Masalam, dear neighbor. Wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach your new country And all we will call you will be refugee Masalam, my friend, Masalam, dear neighbour We wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach a new country And all we will call you will be refugee
there's plenty of specialist music programs to choose from on the 3CR grid. Explore the 3CR schedule online at 3cr.org.au. Yes, this is our vibration. Check out Music Sans Frontier. Great voices. Music matters. The hip sister hop show. The heavy session. The Planet X radio show. Satellite skies. Shindig. Sweet dreams. Tune in to 3CR 855 AM on your digital radio or streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Let our music make you happy.